1: praising God for who He is. We praise Him for who He is, not what He can do. We praise Him because He's a loving, wonderful Father who thought so much of us that He would send His Son to die for us, who loved us so much that He would send His Son to be crucified, to be bleeding, to be beaten, and to be buried and dead. He loved us so much that He would raise His Son from the dead. He would raise His Son from the dead and have Him sit on the right hand of of Himself, God the Father. Why? We now have life.
0: No matter how good life is going, we all have moments of despair. We all face times where we feel like we're trapped, and there's seemingly no way out of the hole that we've gotten ourselves into. Today, Pastor Dave explains that if you want to move on from your past mistakes, give your life to Jesus. He will always come through. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 13 as he continues his message, The Characteristics of the New Church.
1: In my flesh, it's all about me, what I want, what I need, what I can get in my flesh. Enough me talking about me. It's your turn to talk. What do you think of me? That's what my flesh is saying. What my spirit is saying, what do you need? How can I meet a need that you have? How can I show you God's love? How can I show you God's peace? That's what the spirit says. After all, Jesus told his disciples that you'll know you are my disciples by all the things you have that you bought with your money. I don't accept that. I only see one or two heads shaking. That's not what Jesus said at all. Jesus didn't say that at all in John. In John 13, 35, he said, By this you will know, my disciples, if you have love one for another. If you have love one for another. And Peter says, And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Love. Love each other with that fervent love. Forgive each other with that fervent forgiveness. You know, Peter went to the Lord and said, Lord, this guy, he, he wronged me. Well, I forgave him. I forgave him seven times. Is that okay? And Jesus said, no. You have to forgive him 70 times seven times. Okay, I will. And then my flesh goes, that's one. That's 452. I'm counting. I'm going to forgive you 449 times because that's seven times 70. That's what the Lord said. No, I'm going to forgive you unconditionally, the way the Lord has forgiven me unconditionally. The Lord keeps no marker on me; He keeps no tally of my sin. Thank you very much. Nor should I keep a marker on your sins, on your wrongdoings. You know, this love that Jesus is talking about is not just a sitting around going, "Yo, dude, I love you, man." Not that kind of a love. It's not that far out, dude. Love you, yeah. The love that Jesus is talking about is love backed up by action, backed up by an acting faith. James puts it this way. In James 2, verses 15 and 16, listen to what James has to say here. He says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? What does it profit? Beautiful chapter, chapter 13, Paul Stark says says, if I have all the words in the world, I'm paraphrasing, if I have all the words in the world, but I don't have love, it's like a clanging cymbal. And all the time I hear that I'm reminded of the monkey. That's what it's like when you speak without love. That's what it's like when you when you tell somebody Jesus loves you. That's what they hear. Because what they want to see is love with flesh on it. They want to see love with action behind it. That's where faith comes in. And that's where works that is produced by great faith. That's what James was talking about. This love. They're looking for flesh on it. They're looking for proof that Jesus is alive. And they want you to show them that Jesus is alive by loving them to the max. That's what they're looking for. That's what your family's looking for. You say yourself with Jesus. Well, you're a Jesus freak. Show me Jesus. That's what they want in your life. That's what they want. That's what they need. And only that will bring them to the kingdom. They want to know if this God you serve is real. And that's what they're looking for. Koinonia, this true fellowship, this true koinonia, costs something. And why shouldn't it? It costs Jesus everything that we might have. It cost him his life. The early church knew the cost of fellowship. True fellowship comes through giving. True koinonia fellowship costs something. The early church knew this. The early church demonstrated this. They demonstrated that. They showed people their faith. So if you look at the characteristics that we talked about so far, we talked about the new church had fear, the new church had unity, the new church had love for one another, and the new church was others-centered. The last characteristic we find in these verses today is worship. Worship. The new church walked in a spirit of worship. And this worship took on many of its own characteristics itself. Look at verse 46. It says, The new church worshipped daily. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. The new church was like-minded in love for Jesus Christ. They were like-minded in their love for one another, and they were like-minded in their worship of our Lord. They went to the temple daily as one. What a great picture. What a great picture we see of all these converts, 3,000 of them, going to the temple daily, which is where they went for worship. Can you imagine them sitting there, sitting there, listening to the scriptures being talked and seeing Jesus in them? These were Old Testament scriptures, by the way, because that's all they had. And they're seeing Jesus now. And all these new believers are like, wow, did you see that? There he is right there. There's Jesus. Can you imagine worshiping their beloved Jesus and, and all being together with one? What a wonderful time that must have been. And of course they had to eat. Anytime you fellowship, you eat. There's eating going on. Eating happens. And communion was a part of everyday meal and everyday worship. There was always bread and there was always wine. It was a standard. It was what they had, bread and wine. So they had fellowship. They had communion. They remembered the cross every single time they ate. And their worship was balanced. It was a balanced fellowship. It was a balanced worship. They went into temple, which is very formal, and they went house to house. Their first home fellowships. They were going house to house, having fellowship, one to another. Most of the time, they met on Solomon's porch. Gee, I didn't know Solomon had a porch. Yeah, it overlooked the bank. No, he had this porch. It was part of the temple. It was a part of the temple that actually overlooked the Mount of Olives. Sitting in Solomon's porch, you could see the Mount of Olives from afar off. But that's where they spent most of their time. And it's scriptural. Acts 3.11, which we'll get to in a little while. Now, as a lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. In Acts 5, 12, it says, And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. That's where they meet. That was their meeting place in the temple, and they were there. It's an extension of a temple. It's a special place where they gathered. Also, they broke bread at their communal meals. But they couldn't eat in the temple. It was forbidden for them to eat in the temple. They couldn't eat in the temple, so they had to go house to house to break bread. Scripture says they worshiped in one accord in the temple from house to house. And it also says they worshiped with gladness and simplistic hearts. Continue in verse 46. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, this doesn't mean every time their food was served, it was their favorite, so they always were glad eating their favorite food. No, they had joy. They had a wonderful joy because they were worshiping their Lord. The Greek word here is exalting gladness. One translation said it had unaffected joy. Their joy was unceasing. It was incredible. You know, people might walk by their homes while this fellowship was going on, and they were hearing hymns, hymns being sung. And they might even hear laughter. Laughter. Imagine that. Laughter at church. Wow, the nerve. They laughed in church. That was terrible. But they heard that. Why? Because they couldn't contain their joy. When we fellowship one to another, there's laughter. There's laughter. We joke. We tease. We have fellowship. And laughter comes out because the joy of the Lord is in our heart. And our hearts are overflowing with that joy and we're sharing with each other, And there's a smile on our face. And we're enjoying our lives because Christ is in our lives. And I'm telling you about what Christ has done in my life. And you're telling me about what Christ has done in your life. Or maybe you need a prayer request and we're praying for each other. And we're worshiping God. And there's joy. There's peace. And there's this wonderful time. Worship is a time of joy. It's so much more than just sitting here singing songs. Worship is a state of being. It's a state of mental attitude. We walk in worship. When you worship the Lord, there's an exalting joy. You have a smile on your face, and the joy of the Lord is filling you, and it's expressed, and your heart is overflowing with that fullness that the Lord has given you. You feel His presence when you're truly in worship. Can you imagine these people Worshipping their Messiah that way? Worshipping their Messiah in a new, different way? True worship, I said, is a state of mind. It's not just singing. It's not drudgery. Oh, we got to sing some songs before we do this. Okay. So I'll get together and sing songs. I'm not going to sing, and you can't make me. And they close their voice and they say, I'm not singing. No way. I'm not worshiping. Mm-mm. The words are on the, mm, I'm not looking. I'm not looking over there. No, worship is enjoying the Lord. Worship is sitting before the Lord and going, wow, wow. Why? Because Jesus said worship is in spirit and in truth. We need to be in the spirit when we worship. Listen to what he says in John 4, 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There needs to be joy in our hearts as His presence is felt. The Lord inhabits the praises of His people. The Lord inhabits the people who are praising Him. The Bible says wherever two or three are gathered, He appears in their midst. One, two, three, He's here. Wherever two or three are gathered, He appeared. The The psalmist put it beautifully in Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures evermore. That's worship. The new church worshiped with gladness and simplicity of heart. They had the singleness of mind because that's what this simplicity means. It means one mind, one focus. There was only one object of our worship, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only object of our worship. He is to be the only object of our worship. And when we're on stage worshiping him, when the worship team is sending out messages and we're putting songs on the board, you will notice that he is the sole one that we worship. He's the one that we're lifting up. He is the object of our worship. Problem happens when you have a divided heart, when you have a divided mind and your focus is not on Christ. Your focus is on the problems that you have during that day. Your focus is on a problem that may be in the mailbox that night. Your focus is not on Christ. I guarantee if you get your focus on Jesus Christ, you will have peace even though the problem is there. You will have joy even though the problem is there. And you will know that a loving, wonderful Savior will help you and be with you even though the problem is still there. And a loving, wonderful Savior might even take the problem away. doesn't always take the problem away. Sometimes he wants you to go through that, but he wants you to exhibit that joy and that peace. He wants you to be in a state of worship. That's what the new church was doing. The new church had a single purpose in worship, was to glorify their beloved Savior, to see him high and lifted up, which brings us to the next characteristic of worship. Look at verse 47, praising God. They were praising God. This is true worship, praising God. We said it today. Hallelujah. That's praise the Lord. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. And some of you are thinking, I'm never going to say it again. What do you mean it means praise? It means praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We were saying that today. We were praising God. We were praising God for who he is. We praise him for who he is, not what he can do. We praise him because he's a loving, wonderful father who thought so much of us that he would send his son to die for us, who loved us so much that he would send his son to be crucified, to be bleeding, to be beaten, and to be buried and dead. But He loved us so much that he would raise his son from the dead. He would raise his son from the dead and have him sit on the right hand of of himself, God the Father. Why? So that we now have life. We now have life everlasting. And that's true worship. When you're walking in that type of thing, you are in full worship. You want to stand, actually, you want to kneel, actually, you want to get on your face completely prostrate before the Lord and praise him for the wonderful works he did. That's worship. They worship with gladness and joy in their hearts. New church did it this way. They knew it imagine the scope of this worship? These devout Jews for so long, all of a sudden seeing the real Messiah, seeing the true Messiah in such a different way. They've always been hoping that He would come. They were always hoping that He would be there. And now they've met Him? They've met the Messiah? Man, that's worship. That's worship. When you're walking in a state of worship, it's easy to have the submissive mind that we talked about. Walking in a state of worship, having the submissive mind, esteeming others more than yourselves. Look at verse 47 again. You have favor with all people. You find favor with all people. You don't have any arguments because you're taking the lower road. There are any arguments. Everyone have an argument with somebody, and all of a sudden you start taking the lower road and they go, I'm a, I'm a. they don't know what to say. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. What wait a minute. When you don't fight back. Well, this is one thing that got, this is the one thing that got me to come to the Lord. Beatrice stopped fighting with me. She stopped fighting with me when she accepted the Lord. She stopped arguing with me, and I'm like, she would say, "You're right." Talk about defusing an argument. She would stop fighting. That didn't come naturally. Those kind of things don't happen naturally. There's only one reason those things happen. It's because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the Holy Spirit. That's why those things happen. you're walking, you have favor with people. Let me try to set this whole scene for you. These new believers, this new church now is full of the Holy Spirit. They're being led by the Holy Spirit. They're giving the Holy Spirit full reign over their lives. They spent time in the apostles' doctrine, which is God's Word. They studied God's Word. They devoured it. They learned it. They lived it. This new church spent time in fellowship, true koinonia fellowship, They realized the cost of this fellowship, and they gave of their lives. They gave of their hearts. Out of the abundance, I give to you. That's what the 12 Baskets ministry is all about. Out of the abundance, I want to give. I want to give because God has given us so much. God has given us so much. And then they prayed together. They prayed together earnestly. They prayed earnestly. They intercessed for each other. They prayed for God's will to be done in their lives. And he did this for them. They communed together. They broke bread together. They shared the Lord's Supper together. And they did this all with like minds. Like minds, same focus, same purpose of heart. And as a result, look at the characteristics that they had. There was reverent fear of the Lord. There was unity. They had love for another. They demonstrated that love because they were other-centered. They worshiped. And when they worshiped, they worshiped in the temple. They worshiped in their homes. They went to house to house. They worshiped with gladness, with a simplicity of heart. They praised God, and they found favor with all people. What is the natural outcome of this? What is the natural outcome of these characteristics? Evangelism. Evangelism. As the Spirit reigns, believers relate to God's Word. As the Spirit reigns, believers relate to each other in fellowship. As the Spirit reigns, believers relate to God in worship. And finally, as the Spirit reigns, believers relate to the world in evangelism. Because you want everybody to have what you have. You can't contain it any longer. I've got to give it away. I mean, remember Andrew? You don't hear much about Andrew, but Andrew was always bringing people to the Lord. Andrew went over and grabbed his brother. His brother happened to be Simon Peter. You've probably heard of him. He grabbed, grabbed this guy and said, you got to see this guy. I think he's the Messiah. That's what evangelism does. That's what your heart does when you're soaring. You want to tell somebody, you got to see this Jesus. you got to meet this guy. He will change your life forever. Man, you come to somebody that way, they're going to go, whoa. In verse 47, at the end of verse 47, we read, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Evangelism becomes the last characteristic of the new church. Evangelism is a natural outpouring of the Holy Spirit when the church has a sense of sinfulness, when you have a realization of God in your life, its presence, and you continually feel a sense of awe at its majesty. It's a natural outpouring. Evangelism is a natural outpouring when the church is in one accord in worship, when the church is experiencing genuine joy, when believers are relating to the world with a submissive mind. Evangelism naturally follows Here again, we see the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man that we've been talking about. It's almost like you do your part, God will do his part. The disciples, the believers, 3,000 of them were doing the things that the God had set out for them. They were having all these characteristics. They were doing what they could, and God did his part. The Lord added to the church daily. The Lord added to the church those that would be saved. He did all this for the new church. And i got to tell you, Calvary Chapel Cape May, he wants to do all this for us. He wants to do that in our hearts. He wants to do that for here. And this brings me to my final point. It brings me to the final point I want to make today. Only God knows what he wants to do with Calvary Chapel Cape May. Only he knows. But i got to tell you, whatever he wants to do, I want it. And we all love small churches. Because everybody likes to be a place where everybody knows your name. We love small places. We love those things. And it's great. And I'm, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. But I can't hinder God. I can't stand back and stand at the door and say, no, Lord, you can't do this. You know, if the Lord wants us to grow, then we should want that too. If the Lord wants us to stay like this, then that's what we should want too. Whatever he wants is what we should want in our lives. This is the kind of church that I want to be. This kind of church that the new church was. I want to be that kind of church. Remember what Jesus said in Acts 1, verse 8. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and at the end of the earth. We can't limit the Lord. And I got to tell you, folks, I thank God every day that the apostles didn't keep it to themselves. because I wouldn't be here. I'd be burning up someplace in hell. The apostles didn't keep it to themselves. Those 120 went to 3,000, and that 3,000 went to 5,000, and they kept on growing. I don't know what the Lord wants to do here, but I want it. I want to get on my face and say, Lord, what is it that you want for Calvary Chapel, Cape Bay? Not that Dave wants or anybody else. Why? Because it's his church. He is the one who is the head of the body. He is the one who is in charge here, and we follow him. The vision that God has given us for the Cape May Calvary Chapel is this type of church, a church that has these characteristics like we studied this morning, a church fearing the Lord with reverent and awesome respect, a church that has unity in Jesus Christ, a church that has love for one another, and a church that demonstrates that love, a church that walks in a spirit of worship, a worshiping God while at home, while at church. A church that praises God with gladness and simplicity of heart. A church that finds favor with men because of the love that Jesus Christ has given us. Not because we're nice people, but because of Christ. A church that is wanting the will of God to rule and reign. A church that the Lord wants to add daily those who would be saved. This is the type of church I want to belong to. This is the vision I have for Calvary Chapel Camp May. Whatever that might bring, and I don't know, but I want it. Because it says here in His Word that they had it. That's what I want. That's what I want. The conference just renewed my spirit. It renewed my vision. It renewed everything that the Lord had shown me before and had made it so clear. We're not going to hold back from the Lord. We're going to open those doors. As I said, the hospital will be open, and whomsoever will may come. Whatever He wants to do, we want. Won't you pray with me that this would be the kind of church that we study today? Won't you pray with me that we would be that kind of church here in Cape May, California? We all have families that aren't saved. We all have friends and neighbors who aren't saved. We all have people that we work with who are not saved. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the last days. I am sure of it. We need to show the love of Christ to as many people as we possibly can to give them a hope bring them into the kingdom before the time runs out. You've heard it said before, but you may be the only Jesus that somebody ever sees. You are a sure
0: hope. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out AsureHopeRadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at AsureHopeRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Asure Hope.
1: up